Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This week, the Bookshelf Cinema is screening The 100-Foot Journey, 20,000 Days on Earth, Skeleton Twins, and more. On November 5th, Anne-Marie McDonald launches her new book, Adult Onset, at the Lakeside Hope House. And on November 8th, Marcus Visionary headlines an e-bar show featuring Cringa, Noah23, Quartz, Feel Good, Jungle Cat, and L.E.D., the Bookshelf is an independently owned culture hub located at 41 Quebec Street in Guelph. More information about their hours, listings, blogs, and accessibility, please visit bookshelf.ca. Creative Control with Vish there's a young woman by the name of Al Specs who operates under the moniker Cold Specs. She's a fearless singer, musician, and songwriter who lives in Montreal. She's from Etobicoke, just outside of Toronto, originally, and she's garnered international attention for her very unique songwriting, her voice, a very powerful voice, and just her general aesthetic. She's very unique. I'm, I'm a fan. And her latest album is called Neuroplasticity. It's out now. It came out just in uh, August via Arts and Crafts in Canada and Mute in Europe. I don't know where else. I think that's that's pretty much it. And I'm a big fan of the record, and I happened to catch uh, up with Cold Specs when we were both at the Halifax Pop Explosion, and we had, a, we had a very candid conversation. I get the impression she doesn't really like doing interviews too much. She says, I mean, we addressed this, she says she's learning to accept it. But as you'll hear, she's a little, well, I think justifiably kind of protective of herself and that's fine i think that's fine and I, I enjoyed chatting with her we've chatted before so i don't know if that helped but i think we had a good conversation and talked about all sorts of stuff true detective the backstreet boys came up seems to be a theme on the show lately everyone's talking about the backstreet boys like bad bad not good and uh ryan hemsworth the other day also in halifax i don't know hey backstreet boys you should play halifax apparently there's something in the air there Anyway, good chat. You're going to hear some uh, music from Cold Specs. You'll hear the song Absisto before the end of the show. And that's pretty much all I got to say. Here it is, myself and Cold Specs. Hey, 
If you enjoy the Creative Control podcast and want to support it with a monthly pledge, please visit patreon.com slash creative control. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash creative control with two k's. You can pledge $1 a month or $4, $8, $30, $50, $100 a month, whatever you want. There are gifts and incentives to pledge, but more than anything, you can keep the show going. There's no other revenue stream for this podcast. I've been doing it for my own fulfillment and to contribute something to the culture. But I think it's time to see if I can generate some kind of salary from all of this work. So, if you appreciate Creative Control, again please consider pledging a monthly amount. All of the info you need is at patreon.com slash creative control. Thank you. things going good how are you i'm pretty well where are you living these days montreal so you came in from montreal yeah okay you're not on tour or anything no we start in a little bit but yeah. we just wrapped up a european tour but how's that it's all right <laughs> good times it is what it is yeah do you have any particular uh relationship with this city halifax no, I've been here once for this festival two years ago, and I was in and out, so that was, that's as far as my relationship with the city goes. Right, right. And did you, did, does the music scene here mean anything to you when you were younger? Uh, well, n- no, not really. No? Uh, to be complete. I like, I don't really know much about anything around here, I'll be honest, <laughs> but I know that Lowell Campbell and Tim Dion, who play in my band, are around here, and they play in Winter Sleep. Those guys are in your band now. Yeah, those two. Oh, okay, I didn't know that. Me. You used to have British people in your band. I got one Brit, <laughs> but I don't live there anymore. So. Yeah, you lived there for how long? I kind of was on and off for a while, a couple years on and off. Yeah. Kind of Toronto-based, really. You're Toronto, but yeah, okay, you're Toronto from girl. <laughs> well, Lowell and Tim are friends of mine, and I are I'm they? pleased to know that you're playing with them. Lowell's local like, boys. Yeah. Well, kind of. Are they Yarmouth is three hours away. That's so right. That's local enough. That's local <laughs> enough. Um, so neuroplasticity, from what I understand, it refers to some sort of cataclysmic shift in a person's thought patterns. And I'm curious why that resonated with you as a, as a title for this record. I was consciously trying to change things um, sonically and lyrically. And, uh, I thought it was a fitting title. What prompted you to want to change things per I got se. bored <laughs> I got bored <laughs> <laughs> well I mean it's natural for an artist making a second record or a follow-up record anyway to maybe be bored with the last one and want to move on 
But to make such a deliberate statement about it with a title like that is interesting. Is it? I kind of. I didn't really think about it too much. <laughs> is this just something for yourself to convey? Like I, this. I mean, where did the term even come to? How did the term come to mind? I, I had come across it somehow. I can't even remember how. And I was looking for a one-word title because my first album had a really long title. And right. I was looking for one word that was that would stand out and. Um, neuroplasticity seemed to work uh, i just rolled with it okay do you remember you don't remember where you encountered it i don't it? remember was it wikipedia did you find it on wikipedia i don't know <laughs> i don't know where it sounds it's it's like a medical term it is that's it's why it refers I'm to the rewiring process in your brain and i thought it would it, i thought i wanted something to refer to the creative rewiring process so I went with neuroplasticity. Does that appeal to the kind of study of the mind? Does that appeal to you generally? Not really. No. But you're fascinated by minds. Good minds. I guess so, like everyone else. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So you got bored. And how do you suppose the new record and the new songs have excited you? Well, the first record was difficult to play live because it was so sparse. Uh, and we'd moved from quiet venues to clubs and it was just I felt the set was monotonous I kind of was bored by the sparseness of the songs and also it was really it was kind of like a personal folk record which got boring and I turned into a liar so (laughs) um, I wanted to write songs to perform to and have fun with on stage and that's what I've been doing was the sparseness, I don't know if this was deliberate on your part, but was the sparseness uh, was it in a way meant to bolster attention for your voice because not at all i was completely and i was new to everything and so i played acoustic guitar and i sang and that's what i knew at the time so that's what i did okay. i've learned how to play with musicians and understand how it all works now and so just been having fun with it okay now from the lyrics to the music there seems to be to my ear something more forceful something more sinister you mentioned kind of wanting to escape the sparseness so maybe that forcefulness that i'm sensing is based on that instinct right yeah the first version of the album we recorded it in montreal at hotel de tango and there is some versions of some songs that were incredibly melodic and quite pop like a song like old knives on the record had a really melodic really chorus and like i was singing in an octave above and going into a falsetto and it was all very pretty and i just changed it all (laughs) and um i kind of decided i just i don't know i just was hell-bent on destroying everything (laughs) why 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 did you want to destroy everything i i just i think i just want to make good art and i think good art provokes something in people it creates conversation and i didn't i just wanted to make something that i believed in okay didn't believe in melody at that at the time yeah like to me there is a foreboding sinister nature almost to it like it has a haunting quality it reminds me i think it vaguely reminds me of some of the people that i know you admire um people like michael Gere, people like nick Cage. like it has that kind of sense of like off-kilter spookiness i wanted it to be subtly aggressive yes that's what i would that's perfect that's a perfect way of describing it subtly aggressive yeah and that's just something that's been within you I'd, at the time at the time no, has it subsided i don't know don't pay attention to it <laughs> you, you don't know what's going on no not at all i think you figured that out <laughs> i kind of can tell now yeah 
So in terms of the subtle aggression, do you know, you have no sense of what inspired the tone, but I did read in the press material some mention of Glastonbury? Yeah, I, I was writing, I, I was living, I was renting a place in London for a little bit, and I didn't like it, and <laughs> I wanted to get out. It was just, it was driving me nuts. What was wrong with it? Lots of things. Um, Were there mice? It's, it's London, of course. There's mice. There's mice everywhere. <laughs> and it's just ex, it's just like a, an expensive hellhole. <laughs> oh, okay. And so I needed to get out. It was just like driving me. It was just overwhelming. So I left, and my friend Rob, who drummed on my first record, lives in around the area, and he had a friend who had a cottage outside of Glastonbury, a place called Wick. Uh, so I went there to write some songs. <laughs> We all associate Glastonbury with the festival. It wasn't in Glastonbury. Well, the festival isn't technically in Glastonbury. Oh, see, I don't know. It's outside. It's nearby. <laughs> okay, so when you refer to Glastonbury in the press materials, you're not talking about the festival. I, well, I was by the Glastonbury tour in tour. Somerset. I, like, oh, it was at the bottom of the hill. It's an ancient hill. Um, and at the top of the hill is the, is the ruins of an old church from like the 13th century or something. Don't quote me on the 13th century. No, that's century, fine. <laughs> I'll use Wikipedia and figure this out. Glastonbury tour. And so we were at the bottom of the tour. And that's where you were living? Yeah. But the place is weird, you say? It's because of that hill. And it's an ancient hill and it tracks a lot of pagans. Um, and it's kind of turned into a corporate, corporate kind of witch town <laughs> corporate witch town um, it's a city associated with spirituality and paganism a bunch a whole lot of crap really and you can find crystals in town and cauldrons oh. but you can't find socks but it's so they've realized they can make money out of it it's a bit it's a little weird it's like a new agey sort of thingy yeah sinister occult thing it's well it's just but it's touristy it's a tourist yeah it's a it's a tourist town i guess okay people are attracted to the hill and the spirituality associated with the town it's all a bit weird so how do you reckon any of that manifests itself and what came out on the record well i wrote the three strangest songs there which is absisto a formal invitation and old knives i think that probably the town probably seeped into those songs interesting and were the when we go back to that subtle aggression are you singing about the town are you singing about that whole notion that they are trying to perpetuate witchcraft and whatnot i am not singing about the town at all no uh, nah, it's, songs have meanings to me, but I don't really like to talk about them. You don't like to talk about the meanings, okay. <laughs> it, it'll, uh, it is what it is. But you it's think being in this witchy town may have influenced you writing your three weirdest songs? I think songs. it probably influenced the, the, the sonic elements of the songs. It was not the, the lyrics or the themes, but just the sound. It's all, it's all a bit, it's like goblin. <laughs> <laughs> Spooky. It's yeah. like, are you a Halloween fan? Halloween's coming up as we're sitting Not here. Not really. No. But I did see that someone's dressing up as a pregnant, possessed bride from my Hector video on the internet. So I was glad about that. <laughs> I don't know. I might pull up my cape. But I just wear, I wear my cape all the time anyway. So are you a gothy sure. person? You're a little gothy, aren't you? Gothy? Yeah. Is no. that no? You're not gothy? I don't know what that means. I don't even I know like either. I like to wear black, but that's That's considered gothy. Is it? I think so. If you wear black and capes, that's pretty much the yeah, definition. Yeah, capes are in style now. It's a new trend. I think Batman wears a cape no, and then people. No, no. Why are people like capes? Why do you wear capes? Because cape? it's cool and it flaps around in the wind and it's... <laughs> 
Does it keep you warm? A, no, but it's a good look. <laughs> <laughs> it's purely an aesthetic thing. Yes. There's no real practical purpose for a cape, is there? No, but I mean... Why do superheroes even wear capes? Is it the flapping? I don't know. I don't care about the superheroes. Oh, okay. Just looking so at like... Counts and... All, I don't know. Who wears a cape? I don't even know. Like We know that vampires wear capes. We know that regal fashion, fucks. fashion. <laughs> <laughs> so you're into fashion and you're like wearing capes. I like capes. That's yeah, interesting. I got a couple. I did not know that uh, you wore capes. I mean, but all right, it makes sense to me now. You have a couple of key external collaborators on this record. I know, yeah. A couple, at least, right? Yeah. Can you tell uh, me more about them and what they mean to you? Um, there's a lot of trumpet on this record, played by Ambrose Akin Musir. Uh, he, I sang on his record, um, and we became friends after he, we played a show together at Massey Hall, and he was playing tr- Johnny Mitchell's birthday, and he was playing trumpet, uh, and I was singing, and we met, became friends, and we we. You got to play Joni Mitchell's birthday too. Yeah. You were playing, right? Yeah, I yeah. sang. I sang Black Crow, and I met Ambrose there. Oh, okay. And so he. We became friends, and he played on my record, and I played on his. Um, Michael sings on the record. Michael, Michael G. Raw. Ma- Michael G. Raw. Who, who you are a big fan of. Yeah. How do you go from being a big fan of someone to actually getting to work with? And you're on the Swans record, too. Yeah. I how, s- how does that sing happen? Song. <laughs> um, he sings uh, I, I did a cover. We're on the same label. He's on mute. Oh, you're both on mute. Um, we're on mute. He's on. Yeah, he does his own label, Young God Records, Young God, in yeah. North America. But he's on mute worldwide, and I'm on mute outside of Canada worldwide. And he, uh, I did a cover of his song, and he happened to hear it. I guess someone from Mute passed it along, and he he really liked it. Mm-hmm. And I wanted, I wanted his voice on my record. So I just I met him once, and I just kind of I, I mustered up the energy to send him an email and say, Hey, bud, <laughs> sing on my record. And he was well into the idea. And went back and forth. Yeah, and so I sang on, so he sang on mine, and then he said, hey, why don't you sing on mine? I sang on his, and that was that. That's that. Now, you, you, we were talking about subtle aggression. I think Swans is known for not-so-subtle aggression. What is it about Swans that appeals to you? I, I, I like the atmosphere that's created. It's um, The tribal drums are interesting. Um, it's just... It's wonderful it is really wonderful yeah. i agree with you people like <laughs> swans i i like swans so that makes sense all right um and so you're living in montreal these days but did you not you grew up in etobicoke yeah i'm a toronto girl what was that like what was your upbringing like it was all right i uh grew up on uh we just my parents are refugees from somalia okay uh and they worked really hard to raise me right <laughs> so um yeah, that's it. And Etobicoke, so for, for people listening, Etobicoke is just, it is Toronto. It's, like it's, it's a very close suburb to Toronto. Yeah, I think it became a part of Toronto in like late 90s. 96. Technically. Yeah. But or some, whatever, the, like Harris, the Har- Mike Harris amalgamation thing. Yeah. Right, okay. So Etobicoke used to not be part of Toronto? Used to have its own mayor and right, stuff. Right. One well, city council. I'm curious, because you were, what, were you born in, no, you were born in... I was born in Toronto, St. Joseph's Hospital. Oh, you were? Okay. <laughs> so you were raised in Etobicoke. Yeah. What did you make of the Ford family while you were there? Um, I, <laughs> my parents actually live, 
like around the corner from where the Dixon Towers and stuff. Oh. So where it all went down right. with the the Smiley gangs and uh, they live right around the corner. Well, it's just like it's like a ten minute walk. That crack house is right. where he did it. it was like a t- it's like a ten minute walk. Wow! <laughs> and wow! And like Ford signs everywhere at the moment. It's all a little bit uh, sad. Mm. <laughs> But so when you were, they were omnipresent when you were kind of. I didn't pay up. attention to it. Right, local politics. I didn't, I didn't pay attention to it. I didn't care about Rob. I, like I don't care about Rob Ford, or I don't pay attention to city politics, which is a shame, really, because people like me don't vote, and people like him end up in in office. But uh, I didn't come to know about Rob Ford until the whole crack stuff. Happened. Even as the mayor, you didn't care. Like this guy from Etobicoke was the mayor. Mm-hmm. Of he became the mayor when I left town. So oh, okay. I mean, I didn't really pay attention. So you didn't have any interaction, but there's this sense that Somali community is supportive of him. No, I don't no. think so. There's okay. like with every community, there's a bunch of bunch of idiots, <laughs> and uh, I don't think that's true at all. Okay, but there are. It's a lot of gang activities associated with, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. In the area. So you don't, you're not following this, you know, we're on the eve of, well, it's only, today. it's like a few days away from this big election, and mm-hmm. the mayoral election, and you're just not paying attention. I, well, I have, I was in Toronto recently, so I, I was forced to pay attention. There are all these signs outside my parents' house, and like, not, well, we don't have Bob Ford signs on our lawn, but there are, like, the whole neighborhood seems to have them, and, um... Was it weird being... Or I don't know what your parents' leanings are. Are they for him? No. No. So is <laughs> it weird? My dad's voting John Tory, I think. John Tory. So what is what is it? Is it weird being, you know, around all these people? Like, I used to live in... Work in Toronto, rather. And I found it weird even being there, knowing that people on the subway might have voted for the guy. Yeah, I mean, it's... He's... I don't know. He <laughs> seems to support the little guys, what he right. goes for. And I have no idea... Yeah, you're, really, just, it's not, you're not connected to it. I'm not connected to Are it. Are you no. a political person generally? No, not really. <laughs> not at all. You're apolitical. I I mean, I vote when the time comes. <laughs> <laughs> That's political. That's political enough. You seem to have um, pretty uh, strong beliefs in terms of how you're presented and the music you want to make and all that stuff. That, in a sense, can be construed as a political gesture. Maybe. <laughs> but you never think of it that way. No. No. Okay. What actually got you into music? Uh, my dad's a singer, a Somali singer, and oh. he plays the oud, and he's, he's got a lovely barit- warm, rich baritone, and he used to sing around the house, and I just kind of would sing with him and do harmonies. And oh. Did yeah. he do it in any kind of professional capacity? Did he record he, anything? No, he tried, and the war broke out, so it oh. didn't work out for him. <laughs> oh, okay. So... You would sing along with your, mostly, what, what kinds of songs? Traditional songs? Traditional songs, Somali songs. Uh, he's pretty connected in the the Somali music community. Um, there's this famous singer named Sada Ali, and she was a famous Somali singer. You wouldn't know about her here. She was the biggest superstar. And I might have known about her. Don't sell me short. Okay. I, I actually hadn't heard of her, but I'm just saying. I, I might have known. She, she, she entered into politics recently and um, tried to become an MP. Well, she was an MP in the in Somali parliament and was trying to make change and was she he would pick her up from the airport when she'd come to Toronto and a bunch of other people and she she was recently murdered oh no and it's it's kind of a scary I don't know there's a lot of Somali singers he was connected with and he's she is my favorite oh I'm sorry I'm sorry for your loss that's did you know her 
You didn't kill her. <laughs> no, I know. But did you did you know her? She was a family friend. Oh, yeah. Man, that's that's rough. Okay, so from the traditional Somali, and she was we'd sing her songs. She would sing her songs. And anyone else? Were you interested in Western? Hanuni, he's a Somali singer. We'd sing his songs. Um, Western. My dad likes soul music. He used to call him Doctor Love. <laughs> Your dad was known as Doctor Love. That's what he told me recently. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. Who was calling him Doctor Love? I don't know. It was, it was his nickname because he was a he was a soul singer or some shit. <laughs> wow, interesting. Is it weird knowing your dad's nickname was Dr. Love? I mean, in retrospect, yeah. I saw old pictures of him with his afro, and he was, like, holding his heart, and then, like, a feel. <laughs> is really funny. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so your dad likes soul music. Yeah. Any particular he likes, singers? He likes James Brown and, like, Marvin Gaye, stuff like that. And did you follow, because you emulated your father on some level in terms of music, did you follow... Uh, I, I kind of did, but I, I introduced myself to most things, I think. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Um, I had I, heard about Doris Duke and James Carr and stuff like that and got into that. This is when you were like a little kid? This is high school. High school. Okay. And then gradually you had other people come in. Because we did a thing uh, a few years ago um, where I asked you to name five artists. Did we? What did I say? <laughs> five, it was The deal was that you were supposed to tell me, uh, it was for a website. And I needed you to tell me uh, five artists from the past 20 years that meant something to you. No, it was five albums, rather. Did I, what did I say? So the albums you named, I actually don't have them, but you listed Swans. Did I? You listed Bill Callahan. Uh-huh. The Strokes. Uh-huh. Tom Waits and Nick Cave. Did I? All, all men. All white dudes. All white men. <laughs> I don't know. What is that? When, when did these folks come into your life? High school, probably. High did school? I list those? Yeah. I don't know. I probably listed what I was listening at the time. Is that weird? Do. Does that list seem weird to you now? No, it's probably true. This was this was in 2012 or 2013. Which so Tom Waits record is there? I think it was Mule Variations. Okay. So it would have been like from 92 or 93 to whatever, 2012. Yeah. It's probably it. I was listening to it at the <laughs> time. I, li- I like all those records a lot. So And those people... The Strokes. I loved The Strokes when they came out. I was like 14. Was, so you music. told me you watched them on Letterman and were blown away. They did Take It or Leave It. Yeah. And I was like, flipping through the channels and I saw Take It or Leave It and he, fall- he fell down. He was giving her and I thought, oh, this Knocked is nice. Knocked the mic down and stuff. Yeah. This is nice. I'll put that Backstreet Boys record down then. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. You like a little danger, don't you? Me? Yeah. Do I? I think so. You like a little aggression. Do you like a little aggression? I do a little. I think it's only natural, right? Yeah, I do for sure. But it's, it's, I don't know. The strokes on that, that particular performance, like you were 14, they kind of burst out of the TV, I think. I watched it recently in preparation for this. Did I was you? Like, yeah, it's pretty. 
Well, I'd, it I'd was pretty cool for as a 14 year old who'd never really listened to much music, and to be flipping through the channels and to see that, I thought I thought it was they've got I me. Mean, they've gone right downhill since. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't been paying as much attention since this. No, oh man, the third drive. I was I was obsessed. I saw them so many times when I was in high school, and live. Yeah, you went go. You went. I to went see loads of times and. It, First Impressions of Earth came out in like 2006. I was shocked. It was uh, just awful. What? What? <laughs> it was I was terrible. Thinking, I, was th- <laughs> I was thinking about the the downhill slide for that band, and I can't. I don't. I didn't really follow them. I have a theory that because the Strokes kind of really came uh, became popular shortly after 9/11, and I kind of, for me, and I think they kickstarted something. And for me, this might seem odd, but I thought of the Kennedy assassination when the Beatles got big. You know when the Kennedy assassination... Well, you weren't, we weren't around. <laughs> Neither of us were around. But there's this, like, historically, the Kennedy assassination happened, and then a few year, a few months later... So the Kennedy assassination... Uh, Kennedy was killed in November. The Beatles play Sullivan in February. And then that changes everything. And on some level, after 9-11, this band from New York, The Strokes, come, come out, and they kind of change things, I think. Do you feel like... Do you, like, they seem to have a real impact when they came out. Maybe. I... And I, and I think it kind of helped heal for, I'm not saying music, they, they weren't that impactful. Like they weren't like the Beatles. No. But they did have this impact on sort of making rock music feel relevant again. Yeah. Well, there weren't many popular, interesting bands at that time. Exactly. And then, and this, and then this was this gritty, aggressive, like it seemed to be something we needed at the time. Um, not, not against terrorism or anything like that. It just, it felt like empowering. And I imagine at 14, you felt the same way. Like, oh, why, oh my God, this is like a real new young rock band. And they're playing awesome. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it when it first came out. Maybe that was had something to do with it. Certainly different than the Backstreet Boys. But <laughs> they're like the other side of the... There's five of them or whatever. There's five or six <laughs> of them. Just shit. Same guys, you bunch know? Bunch of white dudes. Bunch of white guys. <laughs> some of them are wearing leather jackets. Some of them are whatever, pantsuits. I don't know what those Backstreet... What they the didn't backstreet? wear shirts. Come on. Who, who, the Backstreet Boys? They never wear shirts? <laughs> well, they didn't button up. <laughs> right, right. Okay. I didn't know you were such a big Backstreet Boys fan. I mean, I was child of the 90s. It's yeah. Uh, Okay, that that makes sense. Now, in some ways, you're a rather enigmatic performer, and and even in this conversation, I, I hear you being like, I don't know, I don't know what's going on. Um, in your <laughs> own work or the work of others, does the notion of persona appeal to you? The idea of someone kind of keeping a bit of distance uh, within their work from their from their audience? Um, it does it. It's not something that you wear capes. Let's be fair. Not on stage. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, just saying. Anyone who wears a cape, I think that's a bit of a persona. No, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I have a stage name. That's right. You, that's what I mean. You have a moniker. You have a stage name. But that's uh, not I don't to create some sort of image. It's just to be private, I guess. Oh, is that right? I don't want to attach my name to the project because it's like it's one aspect. It's not something. I do a lot of things. I just happen to sing as well, but I don't want it to be my defining. I don't want it to be something that defines me for the rest of my life. So right. Who knows? I might get another job someday. <laughs> what are some of the other things you do that uh, that that people may not be aware of? Uh, I don't know. Like creative things, or just other like I make sandwiches. Like, what do you make? <laughs> what do you do outside of this that you, you consider like a creative outlet? Um, nothing that I consider. The only creative thing I do is sing, but I write songs. I don't know. I take pictures. You do. <laughs> um, I hang out. You take. You take. I hang out. Hang That's out. what I do. 
Do you have like a favorite TV show? Uh, True Detective. That Go, was good. That's, that's really good. That was ridiculously good. There's Although, a new season coming out and they don't have any of the same characters. They got Vince Vaughn. Got that Rachel McAdams or yeah. something apparently. Vince the, Vaughn, really? Yeah, Vince Vaughn. Shocking. And it's a serial thing. Right? And Colin Farrell. <laughs> like SWAT? <laughs> I don't know. It's like Colin Farrell, Vince Vaughn, and Rachel McAdams. And people are now describing it as like potentially going to be, it's like going to be, gonna be a rom-com version of True Detective. Well, I mean, my, Matthew McConaughey before True Detective was Mr. Rom-com. Totally. So maybe everyone's just trying to repair their careers. And go on True Detective <laughs> and do something really dark. That's interesting. I think I, I, I only, to be, well, uh, to be honest, I've only seen three of the episodes. I'm trying to watch it with my wife. But you have to watch the whole the whole thing I know. over and over again. You learn new things all the time. It, I saw. I watched it on a plane. It no, cool. that's not what the way to do it. Watch it. At it home. was really tiny. It was good. <laughs> on your laptop or no, on the I screen? No, I watched it on the plane screen. Oh, not in front of you or like above you? No, it was right in front of me. Okay. Yeah. I I had to watch something to kill the yeah. time on the flight. But I I you got to watch it again. I will. No, I will. I want to watch it with my wife. I think I might just buy it. Did you? You probably. I bought it. You bought it. I think I'm gonna buy it. We watch it on tour over and over and over again. Well, does that create kind of a weird mood for you? It's a very dark show. I I don't know. When we go into Germany, we watch Band of Brothers on the drive over. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. All right. I want to ask you about the most absurd situation you found yourself in since Cold Specs really began resonating with people because you've had opportunities to do different things you've been on different stages is there something that sticks out to you as being particularly odd i get asked to do weird things sometimes <laughs> like i'm gonna be like shooting a cannon at, at, at some like nutcracker performance what in toronto soon come down you're gonna sh- <laughs> i don't know what's going on they said do you want to shoot a cannon that's at the crowd and what? I'm not sure what's happening. Is it a t-shirt not cannon? a real cannon. I don't know. Something about a cannon in a crowd. And I was like, yep, I'll do that. What, are you just going to light the fuse? I have no idea what's happening. I should look into it. Why in the hell would someone ask you to light a cannon at the Nutcracker? Something people do, apparently. No, that's not a thing people do. No, like, not a real trolled? cannon. Is that you being punked or something? I don't know. I told you. I don't know what's going that's on. That's absurd. <laughs> that is actually the most absurd thing I've ever heard. I did a, like, I, I, I did a winter song thing in Toronto <laughs> last Winter year oh. at the Cavalcade Delights. I thought that was a little absurd. What, a huge what did you have to do? It's just sing with a massive choir. Oh. Winter songs. I don't celebrate Christmas. You so don't celebrate I don't know. I don't do that. Oh, okay. And so I was found it a bit strange. Did you meet Joni Mitchell at that thing? Yeah. She's cool as shit. That was fun? <laughs> yeah. She's awesome. Did she, did she say nice things to you about your stuff? She's a nice lady. Yeah. yeah. She gets a reputation of being a little cantankerous. Does she? I think so. She she was nice. She was sweet. It was her birthday. Why would she be mean? Yeah. <laughs> Is it true you don't... Do you do stuff like this often? What we're doing today? Interviews? Yeah. I do it all the time. You do? I haven't learned much, apparently. But <laughs> no, you're fine. I just okay. wonder if this is like... If you reveal much of yourself this way to people. Am often. I revealing a lot? Here and there. Okay. There's a lot of deferral. A lot of like, I don't know. I don't know why I do the stuff I do. I used to defer everything. So I think I'm... I'm 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 doing pretty well these days. Why why is that? Do you just not want to have people? I didn't like the idea of interviews to begin with. I didn't enjoy it, didn't want to do it, didn't show up sometimes. Was but it I've learned that that's really not the way to promote your record. <laughs> so I, I, I show up now. <laughs> why? What, what about this don't you like? Not this particular thing. Uh, this, is, this is good. Sometimes I just ask you the dumbest questions oh. and I don't, I just, sometimes I'm just not into it. Um... Do you find that you learn 
Sometimes you learn, I mean, in this process, you will learn something about yourself that you aren't expecting. Yeah, I mean, people, people try and get inside your head, and it's not really comfy for me to have strangers in there. Yeah, so, okay. Um, this is going all right, though. You got nothing to worry about. <laughs> I'm not worried. I used to shout at people. <laughs> you used to shout at interviewers? I did an interview with Q, and it got a bit little, little strange. With Gian? No, the other, some other guy was there. Oh, like filling in. He was in. on holiday. He oh, Gian was on holiday. Oh. Um, you yelled on the radio? I didn't yell. I just got a little, little upset. <laughs> what happened? Can you? I, I don't he said something. Like I said something, and he was like, I was, "I was being facetious, obviously, and not literal." And I just like something in me turned. Oh <laughs> wow! But I wasn't. I wasn't. I wasn't rude. I think I kept it together. I've shouted at journalists in, in Europe before. You shout? You literally yell at them? Yeah. I mean, when there's... I just tell them to stop sometimes okay. when it's... Uh, they're being rude. <laughs> I, can hear, I can feel that. I mean, I've been doing this a lot for a long time. And sometimes I wonder why we're, we do these things. Because... <laughs> why do you do these things? I don't know. I think, I, I think for some reason... I find it insightful to learn more about the person making a thing I like. That's okay. I guess that's the basic thing. Okay. And I don't even necessarily want to know why they made the thing they made it or how they made it. I just kind of want to talk to them. It's the, I think if you... I'm trying to think of another example of this. I mean, the worst interviews, I think, are sports interviews. Where, like, after a game, they're like, Hey, uh, you guys won 3-2. What happened? And the answer inevitably fucking won. That's what happened. Inevitably, we got more points than the other team. That's it. That's the whole. That's the whole thing. Yeah. But then at the same time, that same person could be in a really insightful conversation with someone, and you'd learn a ton about them. You know how they got to where they are. I don't know. I think my issue to begin with, I'm fine with it now. But in the early stages, it was why do people want to know anything about me? All I do, I, I sing and I make records. It doesn't really give anyone. An, the right to ask me personal questions. I was just a bit of a diva, I think. <laughs> but well, there, this is where I'm... Fuck you! <laughs> this is where I'm flipping back and forth on it, though. Because on some level, you've spent... How long did you spend making this record? About a year. You spent a year making a record, and we all listened to it, and then we asked you to explain more. Like, it isn't enough. You spent a year making a record <laughs> and pouring it's your heart out. It's all in the record. It is all in the record. I mean, some of this stuff. I mean, I, I you know, I, I, I don't know. Sometimes I wonder why we do these things. But I'm having a good time. I'm having a good time. Okay, good. Now we're. I'm not difficult anymore, Vish. That's <laughs> what I'm trying to establish. <laughs> you're not. On. No, you're not <laughs> difficult. I think it's good. Um, what are you looking forward to? What's next for you? Um, I don't know. I'm going to be touring. Touring. We haven't really toured this record much. It was just kind of. It came out in August. So I, f I feel like it came out a little quietly. Am I wrong about this? Yeah, it came out a little quietly. Why is that? I don't know. Got nothing to do with me. <laughs> <laughs> it came out at the end of August. It did. Yeah. Like August twenty second or something. August twenty sixth. That's like dog days of summer. That's like a. It seems like an odd time. Uh, on one level, it's a barren wasteland. Like there's no one else who would dare necessarily put a record right at the end of the summer usually it's september october and i and i was like what this is i didn't even to be honest like i saw the release and i'm like this can't be right it can't be coming out in the end of august that's just the way i'm conditioned because i'm a music industry stooge well it's the best month well that's this is the i don't think it matters you make a good record people are here about people it people hear just about it. put it out but it did come out you agree it came out a it little came out in august i we, we spent a long time making it yeah. and um 
spent a long, long time mixing it as well and um just spent a long time trying to get it right <laughs> uh and i think we went i i i spent a lot of time taking over mixing <laughs> oh. to re-record things and change things and um finished it in february-ish and I wanted it out in 2014, so oh, okay. August was, was no, either it's August. Fine. Or I'm not complaining. I just nada. It, <laughs> it seemed to come out a bit quiet. That's all. I noticed it, and then I was like, oh. And then there didn't seem to be as much fanfare as I was expecting. And you also say you haven't toured as much for it as you. We we toured. We did a European tour. We're going to start our North American one in a couple, maybe next. It starts November 4th or okay. some shit. Okay. Soon times. Soon times. <laughs> okay, that's good. So then momentum yeah. will pick back up for it. Okay. Oh, I good. don't care about momentum. <laughs> <laughs> you say you meant you mentioned that you started it at the Hotel de Tango with was it with Howard? Do you know Howard? Very well. Yeah, Howard is Howard's helping out, engineered. Yeah. And then? Did uh, you say you started it there, did it finish there? We I finished recording it there. Oh good. Um it was mixed in Revolution in Toronto. Toronto? Yeah. Uh and it was also mixed in London. Uh, by, I think it was Ben Hillier. Okay. So, so it's moved around a little bit, but the core was actually done. I'm sorry, they just sent me like a digital thing. I didn't see it. It was recorded in Montreal. At the hotel. Yeah. Okay. And and what actually drew you to Montreal? Did we establish that? A nice studio. So no, but you lived there. I Oh, I, I fell in love with it after recording there. Oh, interesting. So. Tourist trap. You, yeah. got, you were a, a tourist who got trapped. It's cheap rent, too, and it's good for musicians. Still the case? The, I've heard yeah, that's changing a little bit. Not too much. Where it's much you, better than Toronto. Are you, like, outside of the plateau? I'm in uh, Outremont. Outremont, okay. That's nice. That's good. Montreal's great. I love Montreal. I, I wish I could go there Where more. are you living? I still live in Guelph. Ah. Guelph, Ontario. Oh, maybe you didn't know that. I live in Guelph. I didn't know that. I saw a 519 number there. It's yeah. Like Kitchener or something. Guelph. Like. Guelph. I live in Guelph. You and I, I guess the last time we saw each other might have been in Sackville or you played the Hillside Festival in Guelph. Did you, yeah, a I couple guess years so. Ago. Yeah, but we, we were, we hung out a little bit at Sappy Fest somewhere. I think we took a, I think we were on the same shuttle or something or anyway, I remember meeting you and liking you and I'm, I'm glad you're doing well. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> so you've got the touring, uh, any plans for other collaborations or other recordings at this point? Um, I no, nothing really. Gotta, the tour is looming. You've got to. I just got to promote this damn record, don't yeah. I? Yeah. Came out quietly. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't mean to put you find a point on that. I think it came out a little bit quietly. All right. Well, for more information about uh, you and your tour, people can go to coldspecs.com, right? Yeah. And you're on the Twitter and all that stuff. Twitter, gramming these days. Oh. Trying it all. Doing everything? I'm on the World Wide Web. Do you like it? No. You hate it, right? I fucking hate it. You don't like being on the social media. It's ridiculous, but I gotta do it, don't I? People, some people like it because they get to interact with their fans. I don't want to interact with anybody. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. I think you've turned a corner, but I also feel like we're still in that phase where you're like, ah, you're, you're, I like it. I like that you know what you, who you are. Do I? <laughs> you do. I think you do. I'm a cape-wearing <laughs> goth bitch, apparently. <laughs> I don't think that's true. That's a terrible description of you. Is there a song we can play from the new record for people to hear right now? Uh, Absisto. Why did you come up with that one just now? It's my favorite on the record. Why? Uh, it's the one I first started and the one I finished last. And oh. So it took me a long time to get it right. This is when you started in the... Witchy Town? I started writing it in the Witchy Town, but I didn't finish it until m the last week of recording. And there are guests on this record, right? 
On this song, rather? There's a trumpet the player trumpet, yeah. by the name of Ambrose. Right. Yeah, it's kind of have it has a nervous breakdown. <laughs> the song has a nervous breakdown. Instead of a breakdown, it's got a nervous <laughs> breakdown. <laughs> <laughs> I can see why you would find that appealing. That sounds kind of cool. All right, well, this is Absisto by Cold Specs. Uh, Al, thank you for being on this show. Thank you for having me. And we'll talk soon, maybe. Soon times. Okay.
Hey, thanks again for checking out Creative Control with Vish Khanna. You can email me about the show at creativecontrol933 at gmail.com. That's creative with a K, control with a K, 933 at gmail.com. You can also follow our Twitter at Vish Creative, V-I-S-H-K-R-E-A-T-I-V-E. And you can also like our Facebook page. A version of this show airs on CFRU in Guelph every Wednesday at noon Eastern. And you can listen to that online at CFRU.ca or if you're in the KW region at 93.3 FM in Guelph. You can also sign up for the weekly mailing list for the podcast and the, and the show at vishkana.com and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. I believe that is everything I wanted to tell you. Thank you once again. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.